0: Have you already heard from the Lord this morning? Yeah. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yes. He's a good God. He's, he's watching over us. He's with us. He's here. He's moving. He's in our lives. He is an extraordinary Father who is yeah. blessing His people today. Amen. And it's, it's just a wonderful time to be alive, to be in His Word, to be part of the church. Amen? Amen. Mm. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Amen. You're going to have to get louder today. Yeah. I went to a uh, small concert Friday night over in Plainfield, and, and we uh, helped run some sound over there, and it was really loud, so you're going to have to shout loud so I can hear you, because my ears are still ringing. They sang this song uh, called It Might Get Loud, and I thought about that this morning as we were in praise and worship, that, that it's going to be loud in heaven with the, with the worship of uh, the saints and the angels, and when we get there to join in, how, how wonderful, it's just going to rattle everything in existence. The praises of the King. And it's, it's a wonderful time. This morning, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to continue on with our, uh, our teaching through Ephesians this morning. And as you're turning there, as you're booting up or powering up those uh, devices or your you, Uversion Bible app or whatever the case, if you're flipping through the pages, Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to lay on you this morning a big idea. A big idea. The big idea... That God God uses unlikely people. God uses unlikely people. And He doesn't just use them for no reason, but he uses them to be part of His church. His church. Not our church, not our ideas, not our mission statements, not our things. It's his church that he's building, right? And he uses unlikely, ordinary people to do such. Ephesians chapter 3 this morning, and I just have a, a real short couple of things to share with you. And, and, um, and I want to start out with, with actually the conclusion um, this morning. Um, but we're, we're first want to read uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1 through uh, 13. We're going to read it kind of quick. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. The prisoner of Jesus. If you had a choice to be a prisoner for somebody, I think Jesus is who I want to be the prisoner of. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly, verse 4. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that. This mystery is that. He's getting ready to tell you what it is, right here. Through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Praise the Lord. If that don't, (laughs) a pastor says, if that don't light your fire, then your wood's wet. Think of something like that. I don't have that one down yet. I'm still working on that one. You get to be part of it. You, ordinary, everyday, me and you. Get to be part of it. He's He's made a way. We're heirs, not not just not just you know somebody that needs to come along for the ride, but but somebody who is going to be right there, yes, on the front row, chosen, yes. Thank you, Lord. sharers together in the promise of Jesus, members together of one body. Verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. That's the grace that God gave him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and to make plain to everyone This mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Verse 10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. That's really interesting. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Verse 11, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus, our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And verse 13 says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord, we thank you for this, this, this prophet, this apostle that you've given us, this word that you've shown us, Lord, to the Ephesians, God, that we can understand and, and Lord, that we can be excited about today. For, Lord, as you've shown in your wisdom, Lord, to bring your gospel and your plan and your way to us, that we can be part of the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for it this morning. Thank you for your word, God. We ask, Lord, that you would just... Lord you've already done so much this morning Lord just bless us open our hearts to this help us Lord to respond to you in every way today we love you Lord we thank you for it amen There's only one cause in the world today that's worth living for There's only one that's going to matter a bazillion years from now and you get to be involved Yes You get to be part You get to be included And not only that, but you get to be included on terms of grace given to you. And all you have to do is bring your weakness. You just have to bring your weakness. Every hard thing about you, every less than thing about us, we just have to bring it to him. Why do we pray so much in church? Why do we have this, this altar time? We're supposed to do that at the end, not during worship. Why? Bring your weakness to the Lord. Let his Holy Spirit show up in your life. Because that's what happens when you step to God's table with you, with your weakness. He brings the Holy Spirit to empower you, to to clothe you with righteousness and and to put on you his mantle and his anointing that you may walk forward in boldness. Power on high to promote a kingdom that has no end. God wants us to go deeper in his word. We've shifted the way that we're teaching at Life 180. We we were bringing topics and and, and teaching and it was good, but now we've shifted to to digging into his word and and going through verse by verse and pulling out and seeing what God has for us in each one. We need to go deeper in his word. We need to go deeper into the fellowship of, of our time with the Lord and prayer meetings and showing up and being part of that. We need to be deeper in fellowship in our community with one another. God's bigger than any virus, any sneeze, any cough that somebody's sitting across the table from you or in your living room or the doorknob that you touched on the way in. God's bigger than all of it. Have fellowship with the people, with the saints. Move in. Go to your neighbor's houses and love them. It's what you've been called to do fellowship, go deeper in that trust in the Lord for it and step further into the mission of God, the mission to go and share the gospel and tell everyone to the highways and byways under every every hedge and above every tallest skyscraper to share his word. It's what God is calling us to be and it's what he's called us to do as his church. And so today I want to start with the conclusion of my message and just simply ask you, will you bring your weakness and be part of what God is doing? Will you play your part? And I want you to keep that question in front of you this morning as you hear his word today that God uses unlikely people. We read in verses one through seven, I won't read them again. You can see them there in front of you in your Bible that that Paul is writing and, and he's telling us what his plan is and how God is using him and where he sees himself in this big mystery, this big plan of the gospel that God has given him as a gift. And as he wrote this letter in Ephesians, Paul was under house arrest. He was a prisoner of Jesus, but also a prisoner of the state. And if you'd met Paul, you you probably wouldn't have seen him as anything more than a common, ordinary prisoner awaiting his trial. You probably wouldn't have been able to pick him out from the crowd. He just looked like every other person in that place at that time. But as you read the passage, as you go through his words, you see that Paul understands that it doesn't matter what he looks like and who he is. He understands that he's bigger. He's in a, a bigger place. He's in a bigger purpose, in a bigger situation than what it just looks like. He sees himself as as having, there in verse 2 he talks about it, being a steward of God's grace. That he's part of something bigger. And he sees himself as having a God-given role in making the gospel known to others. Will you bring your weakness We let God use you for the bigger purpose in a God-given role. The gospel never ceased to amaze Paul. He told us in chapter 2 a couple things about it. He said that that, but because of his great love for us in verse 4 of chapter 2, that God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace You've been saved. And, and then he goes on to, to, to kind of expound on that. And he tells us that God has already begun to unite all things together in Christ. He's begun in the church with you. And he's done this by breaking through all the barriers, moving every mountain, raising every valley in your life, that you may walk on a path and have your steps ordained by the Lord in the purpose that he has designed for each of us. Amen. All the barriers that divide us and they try to separate us out into this, you know, simple humanity and groups and sects, And he's torn it all down. You're not black and white, you're not Africans and refugees and Americans, you're not separate, you're not, you're not, you're you're not a mom and dad and, and, and a, a kid. You're you're not a 180 kid member and a and a life 180 church adult member, you're not on the serve team or not on you're not separated. What you are in the gospel is loved. That's who you are. That's how we identify. We know that we are children of the king today, and that we are loved. And anyone not in these four walls today, you are loved. You're not a non-believer. you're not a non-Christian. you're not separated by these divisions and titles we give, but we are loved by the Lord. Paul says in, in chapter five and six, or I'm sorry, in verses five and six of, of chapter three here, that God's revealed something that nobody in previous generations understood. They understood that Gentiles would somehow be part of this mix, because God created the world, and He doesn't want everything to just die and go away. He's got a plan. Yeah, but it wasn't until, it wasn't until Paul starts speaking up and preaching and bringing the gospel and the good news to the Gentiles that we really grasp and understood that we're on the same footing with this chosen generation. In verse 6, Paul says, we're heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise of Jesus. In other words, Paul realizes he's part of something much more special, much bigger, part of a plan of God who created all things. And you'll notice the change that it made in Paul. You'll notice the change it made in him. And it should make the change in us too. He calls himself, he's, he started out as this, this student of Gamaliel, this high place in, in the church and a Pharisee. And, you know, he was growing quickly up in the church and he changed all that. And we see that in his words where now he's a prisoner of Jesus, not a prisoner of Caesar. It wasn't Nero that put him there. Paul says, God is in control and God put me right where he wanted me. And he said, on behalf of you Gentiles, Paul had been arrested because of his association and the fact that he's preaching the gospel and he's, his, this word is moving forth and, and people are coming together and the church was being formed and, and because of all this, he was arrested. But he understood that his suffering had a purpose. It wasn't just random." It wasn't coincidental. It wasn't that, that he, he just accidentally stepped into it in the wrong place at the wrong time. It was on purpose. God had him right where he wanted him. He was giving his life to a purpose that transcended, or in other words, it was bigger. It was beyond what our natural eye could see or interpret. He spoke of becoming a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. It's interesting because Paul sees his suffering as God's gift to him. I love the worship. I'm not negating anything that we did this morning. I'm I'm not talking. But how often... Do we hit the floor and fall prostrate before the Lord and begging Him to take us out of our situation when the situation is exactly the purpose and the place that He's called you to for the work that He's trying to administer through you? As a people, we've, cu- we've cried and we've complained and we've, we've jumped on the bandwagons and, and picked a side. Even through the recent situations in our government and in all the lands in the whole world, what what side do you fall on? I'm losing my job. This situation has happened. I'm being forced to do this and that or the other. But you know what? Through all of it, I promise you, you've not shared your faith nearly as much as you have in the last two years. When you've had to sit before employers or neighbors or or friends and family across the table, maybe even your children and college students, and explain why it is you believe what you believe, why it is you're doing what you're doing, and why it is you believe that God has moved you and put you in this place and has, you've never talked about it nearly as often as you have today, but yet we sit and cry and complain, Lord, remove me from this suffering, but he's got you right where he needs you today. Your suffering is God's wisdom poured out through you. Amen. And you don't even know it. You don't even realize it. Paul spoke of becoming the servant of this gospel, and he called it a gift of God's grace that he's suffering. It's his gift that God gave him to sit in prison and write this letter to you. Most of the time we talk about the things that we do for God. We're quick to pull out that little phone and take a selfie and put it on Facebook, aren't we? Hey, I fed a hundred people today at Grace Gardens. I don't think Paul posted any selfies. I don't see Paul writing about the things that he did for God or about what he did for. I see Paul in his ministry, and his writing, that he saw not what he did as a gift to God, but he saw that, that everything he went through was God's gift to him. And you notice his humility in verse 8, and he calls himself, I'm the least of the Lord's people, not the best I didn't hand out the most things. I didn't pray for the most people. I didn't, I'm the least of these people. I'm just suffering and doing what God told me to do. You notice his humility in here. And it's not false. Paul knew he was in need of God's grace as much as anybody else that ever followed the Lord. And he grasped the gospel in in his part and and he played it. and, And he had confidence and he had hope even in the middle of his trials. He knew he was part of something bigger. He he gave it gave him hope in the midst of all of the situations he went through. And, and, and he had confidence in the Lord. So when he got arrested and when he was in jail and when he went through the sufferings, you know, this man got shipwrecked three times, bit by a snake when he was trying to build a fire for somebody else. He got beat, lashed, whipped, chained up, tied up, spit on, cursed at through. And he saw it all as a gift. We get mad and leave churches when somebody stares at us funny or sits in our seat. We get, we get mad and, and when our personal preferences get stepped on. When it doesn't happen the way we think it should or the way we want. Our interpretation, well that's fear and you shouldn't be, man sit down. God didn't call you to be comfortable. That's right. That's right. He called you to be part of the body of Christ. Do you know what happened to Jesus' body? Yes. 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 Right. He was unrecognizable That's right. with the suffering and the beating and the torment and it was his gift it was his place it was his purpose paul saw his part in it much bigger he was part of something bigger it gave him hope in the midst of everything. It gave him confidence in everything. And, and, and we all need to live for something bigger than ourselves. There's this guy named Paul David Tripp. He wrote this message. He said, there is woven inside each of us a desire for something more. A craving to be part of something bigger, greater, stronger, better. A craving to be. A place that's more profound than any relative meaningless day-to-day existence. Can I tell you, I hate my nine-to-five. It aggravates me to no end. I have to get up every morning, go do the same thing over and over and over again, close it down the same day. Just feels so pointless sometimes. And there's something in me that grows that wants to step out, that wants to, that wants to be in a different place. And I love it. This week I had somebody stop me and say, can you stay after a conference call? I'm like, Sure. Thought I was in trouble, because <laughs> that's usually I get in trouble a lot. <laughs> she said, "You know, um, I've heard you introduce yourself to your to your trainees, and I, I know that what's on the wall behind you in your office is your certificates for ministry." Yeah. And she began to cry. And she said, I know this is not a work appropriate. But I need God. Her family is hurting. And so in my suffering. And in my. Distaste for this nine to five sitting in front doing the same thing over again. God had me right where He wanted me. Yes. Yes. We,
1: you, God. God. You,
0: we live for something bigger than who we are, there's a longing inside of all of us to be something part of something more. It's God-given. And what is it? It's the gospel. It's understanding the gospel allowed Paul to see everything completely differently. The same thing happens for us. And instead of seeing ourselves as a teacher, preacher, mom, dad, whoever... I mean, you know the drill. Hi, I'm, I'm Matthew. Good to meet you. What do you do for a living? Sound familiar? I'm a child of the God. I'm I'm a servant of Jesus. he, He pours out his gifts of suffering in my life. And I am loved. That's who I am. When we suffer, we can see that even our suffering has purpose. When we serve God, we can see ministry as a gift from God rather than an obligation or something that we're doing. It's not just checking off a box. It's not just handing out groceries. It's not just praying for the lost. It's not just coming and doing all these things, but it's, it's stepping into the purpose that God has for you. It's something bigger and greater and stronger and more that we need. And it's His gift. Oh, it's snowing outside. I don't want to get out and drive in that. Oh, why did they plan prayer meetings so early? Suffering for
1: Jesus.
0: (laughs) Complain about all these things, Pastor, and we we don't really know suffering. God has chosen us, even though we're the least of all God's people. And if we understand that it's not an obligation, but it's a gift that we get to be part of, then it brings in a humility into our lives rather than fighting against the pride that we so frequently have. And we marvel that God has chosen us. And then understanding his gospel gives us the confidence we need and the hope that we need to move forward in the trials that he's bringing to us. So here's what I want you to know today. You matter. You matter. You matter. Greg, you matter, man. Everywhere you go, all the places, the things that you do at work, every conference call you're on. Rebecca, you matter. Every student you run into in the hallway at school. Alphonse, you matter. Our family that is, that is joining us and coming together from all parts of the world. You matter. Yeah. And God has a purpose for you right here, right now. Right in this place. Yeah. And it's hard and there's things that we go through and it feels like suffering so often. But he's got a purpose for you in it. Amen. And you can have confidence in that and you can have hope in that. And you are not wasting your life anymore. In a false peace. In a, in a worldly comfort and a small ambition and trying to be cool or fit in or or go with whatever. You're more than those things. Jesus is looking not for those people, but Jesus is looking for gospel hooligans who want to get messy, who want to be relevant, who want to step out of their, their comfort zones and get off of their couches and get out of the pews and get their hands dirty today and see it as their gift. They're not all going to look like you, but they're all loved like you. And that's all that matters. When it comes time to your funeral, I don't want them to say, Well, what a nice person. I want the room to be filled and the testimonies to come forth that is life his words and his love helped me to know Jesus. Yes, thank you, yes, Lord. you can count for many people. And all he asks you to do is move through it with the moment by moment. Be your ordinary self. Bring your weaknesses. In World War II, 1940, Hitler had the Allied troops backed up into the English Channel and he was getting ready to wipe them out. He was going to win. Yeah. The Navy was there. There was like quarter of a million people on boats. There was another 100,000 Allied troops that were all cornered and he was going to wipe them out. And as the fight ensued and the sailors and naval men and people started falling into the water, one of the greatest historical naval operations that ever happened took place in 1940 in the English Channel. Regular, everyday people showed up in their bass trackers and pontoon boats and personal sailing vessels and the the local ferry that took people from one side of the channel to the other and and many other personal ships, tugboats, not naval vessels, just ordinary. Let's bring it in today's terms, okay? Rednecks on pontoon boats showed up. I'm in that boat. I've been on one of those. I like to go fishing in my bass tracker. Trust me, listen, I'm talking to my... We showed up on the horizon. The ship started to come in on the English Channel and the the sailors who were drowning were all saved. All 340,000. Made it back to shore. Put back into the game. Won the war against Germany. Ordinary, everyday people. With their weaknesses, with just what they had, showed up. Not warships, not battleships, not not cruisers. It wasn't, it wasn't preachers and apostles. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was ordinary, everyday people that prayed for people, that that saw them saved, that, 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 that see people healed, that, that see people know the gospel, that know Jesus because of their love. It's you. If you will bring your weakness to the table, he will use you. Don't waste your life. And then just real quickly, you get to be part of something huge. The church that God is building. If you look at verses 10 and 11 real quick, Paul didn't just see his life as something bigger, but he looked around and he saw that the mystery of the gospel was being revealed and, and God was accomplishing things that just blow our ever-loving minds. Look at at verses 10 and 11. Paul writes, his intent was that now, through the church, not, he didn't write Life 180. He didn't write the Church of God. He didn't write the Southwest Church of the Nazarene across the street. He he just said, the church, because there's only one, it's God's church. Through the church, check this out. The manifold or the collective wisdom of God should be made known to who? To the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus our Lord. The very existence of the church, Paul writes and lets us know, has a much higher purpose than we realize. It's an amazing thing that spiritually dead people raised to a new life who were former enemies of God are now adopted children to the family and made part of this church, given a purpose. It's such a big deal, and God has chosen us, these people, as the way to reveal His ultimate wisdom. It's like there's this big drama going on. You ever been to a church play? There's a writer, director, there's the people that make the costumes, there's the people on the stage acting out. You have all these things, right? And But to have the play, you need an audience. And it's like God's acting out this huge play. And we're the actors, and we're, we're the ones he's using in these situations. But who's the audience? Paul writes and tells us that the audience are the angels and angels. And, heavenly realms and the principalities and powers that are all around that are watching him display his wisdom through you. Yeah, Think about how all the many different ways he could display his wisdom. The human genome. Yeah. Little bitty thing that, that that has all the instructions for what David's going to look like and how he's going to operate. And, mm-hmm. Like That's amazing. <laughs> the stars that are in the sky, the the grass, have you ever looked at a tree and thought, how in the world does that thing stand up? But it's us that God is choosing to reveal his ultimate wisdom to all the heavenly authorities and, and principalities, all that stuff around us. That's where he is displaying his wisdom. that's, that's You have so much of a greater purpose than you realize. God is showing everyone through your trials, through your situations, through everything in your life, He's showing His wisdom to everyone else through you. It's amazing. It's amazing. There's this guy named John Stott, he, said, he talks about that, he says it's like this great drama that's being enacted, Some, his, history is, is a theater, the world's a stage, the church members in every land are the actors, and God wrote the play, and directs it, produces it, act by act, scene by scene, and the story continues to unfold throughout history, but who's the audience, and it's the cosmic intelligences, it's the principalities and powers, the heavenly places, and we're to think of them as spectators of this drama of salvation. The history of the Christian church, he says, and get this, is the graduate school for angels. You're their teachers. God's wisdom poured out through you is teaching the angels and the demons about his wisdom. Will you play your part? Will you bring your weakness and let him use you? The very existence of the church is a sign to demons that their authority has been broken. Yeah. And that the final defeat is imminent. And that God shows through the church his purposes are being fulfilled. And they're moving towards a climax. And God has chosen to display his wisdom in all dimensions through of all things. Us, his church. You know what this means, Life 180? It means that as we grow deeper in his word, as we grow deeper in fellowship with God through prayer and through, through worship and through community, and, and, and as we go deeper in, in, in the Lord and in, in all of the, the, the mission and, and all of the suffering and all the things that he's calling us to, that means demons are getting schooled. That means the enemy's getting his butt kicked every day because God's pouring out his wisdom through you in everything that you're doing. It's a tangible reminder to our enemy. It's a tangible reminder to the enemies that their authority is broken, that they have none, that they have no place, that Jesus is the victor, that he's overcome death, hell, and the grave, that he has put you in higher places, a bigger purpose, a more meaningful life than anything that they can throw against you. And his wisdom poured out through you shows them every day. Will you play your part? Look at verses 12 and 13 as I close. Verse 12 and 13 says this. In him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. When you suffer for God, giving somebody else glory in his name, as you go through things, as you allow God to work through you, as you bring your weakness to the table and play your part and things come through and people see that and they come to know Jesus because they watch you and they watch the wisdom of God come through your life. That's their glory. Will you play your part? Because of all this, we have access to God's unhindered. We have access to God unhindered. Somebody that we would not otherwise have or know or be close to. There's no hostile powers that keep you from it. We have assurance that our sufferings have a purpose and they're actually tied to our glory because God's word says he takes us from glory to glory to glory. And we can know that even though we're ordinary, our lives are part of something that is far from ordinary today. This church God's church as he builds it is part of his eternal purpose, a part of his eternal design that we get to be part of. And not only that, but it's going to matter. Not for just today. Not for just until however long that dash is on the tombstone. But for all eternity. John Piper, uh, Christian author, he wrote this um, passage, and I just really liked it. And I, it really spoke to me in, in considering what Paul's writing here. It says, The church of Jesus is the most important institution in the world. The assembly of the redeemed, the company of the saints, the children of God are more significant in world history than any other group, organization, or nation. The United States of America compares to the church of Jesus like a speck of dust compares to the sun. The drama of international relations compares to the mission of the church like a kindergarten riddle compares to Hamlet. All the pomp of May Day in the Red Square, the pageantry of New Year's in Pasadena and the Rose Bowl, it's beautiful, fade into a formless gray against the splendor of the Bride of Christ. Christ. I wish I could write like that. So lift up your eyes, O Christians. You belong to a society that will never cease. You belong to the apple of God's eye, to the eternal and cosmic church of the Lord Jesus. But most of us live today with no awareness or second thought about the drama that's going on around us. We're just so consumed in our own personal lives and situations. We want to be rescued from suffering. And we're not so much different than, than the church back then in Paul's day. They, they wanted Jesus to come and rescue them and take them away from everything. Yeah. We want Jesus to come rapture us and take us out of all this tribulation mess, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the sufferings that he gives us as a gift to show his wisdom through us as we live out our lives and carry on his purpose so much greater and bigger than anything we could ever hope, think, dream, or imagine. So we need to go deeper in the gospel. We need to get deeper into fellowship, community, farther into God's mission. And we need to repeat that over and over and over. Ada, if you'll come. I want you to take ownership in the DNA of the, of, of the church. That's what I hope. Bring your weakness to the table. Let him fill you with the Holy Spirit and use you and place you on the chessboard of life that he's got purpose for you. Walk in that that DNA that he has, internalize it, put, put it into practice, know who you are in Christ. Someone once asked this question, they said, they said, your church mission statement looks good hanging on the wall, but is it happening down the hall? I don't want you to just put on your favorite Christian t-shirt verse and wear it. I want you to live it. And if you drive like me, don't have bumper stickers on your car like I don't. (laughs) If you're weaving in and out of traffic, making people mad, take the bumper sticker off the back that says, follow me to church. Live the life that you say that you are. Bring your weakness to the table and let God use you and fill you and move you into his purposes that he has for you. Let's be people that we do what we say and not just decorate our homes and lives with cool verses. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to commit to his church, be part of what his church is doing. Bring your weakness to the table and Jesus will bring his spirit to you and and you'll walk away clothed with power from on high to go and promote a kingdom that has no end, to walk in a gospel of confidence and hope and faith, to show his wisdom to all your coworkers and neighbors and friends and teachers and family that they may know Jesus and it be to their glory. Commit to a life of studying his word, Commit to a life of prayer and fellowship with God and with your neighbors. Commit to a life of sacrifice, of suffering, and of worship unto the Lord. And today I want to close with, would you believe, would you just simply believe that there's something going on bigger than you? You and I, we're together. It's not because we're anything special. We're just ordinary people. We're just ordinary people. But there's something bigger than us. And God likes to use ordinary Everyday people, unlikely people that get to be part of His church. Will you enter into what God wants to do? Will you let Him have your life? Are you willing to walk in weakness and obedience? In suffering, are you willing to be humble before God Almighty? His word deserves a response. We're so used to church with. You know, pastors at the end of their sermon say, Now, everybody, bow your heads and close your eyes. Are you willing to walk in humility today? Are you willing to accept what God's purpose is in your life? Would you be so bold as to step out of your seat this morning, bring your weakness, and ask God what He wants to do with you? Will you play your part? in ways that you can't even imagine for His glory today. Would you come? These altars are open this morning.